welcome to the Conversations About Light podcast, a King's Cross podcast illuminating our desire to engage in lighthearted conversations that are grounded in scripture. Our hope is that through these conversations, our community will be encouraged and grow in their curiosity about light. All right, welcome to another episode of Conversations About Light. I am Caleb and I'm joined here with Josh and Mark um, on this beautiful morning. The question I have for you gentlemen today, before we jump into <laughs> Luke 22, um, I believe both of you have been on a, on a bit of a diet workout regime change recently. Um, mm. So what are your top two exercises that you um, enjoy or despise doing? Uh, diet and exercise regime would be very generous to describe what I've been doing, but, but thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, boxing, we've, I've, I did a boxing class last week, so punching a bag for half an hour and just doing that was very um, somehow satisfying. Yeah, nice. It didn't feel like uh, necessary exercise, just felt like a good time <laughs> punching a bag. That's so, what you want in exercise. <laughs> yeah, great. Well, that was one. We'll come back to oh, the second one. Do I have to find another one? <laughs> I'm not sure I like any exercise. I was thinking about that. Um, and I don't have one. If I So which one do you despise then? The most? Oh, there's this one. There's one that makes me realize I have orangutan arms. <laughs> So what do you call chin-ups, basically? Yeah, chin Straight ups. arm chin-ups. I don't think I can do one. And I have so many friends that can do so many. There's a guy in our community group, if anyone knows Jeremy. <laughs> I don't know. Jeremy's a little older than I am, and he can do like 25 of them in two minutes. Oh, wow. And That's I don't think I can do one. So it's it's it just reminds me how, how incompetent and weak I am. Well, um, we can leave it at that. <laughs> I think that's a uh, good yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't <laughs> want this to become a discouraging section. Yeah. <laughs> um, but let's jump into today's uh, reading. Today's reading is from Luke chapter 22, verse 1 through to 38, from the English Standard Version. Now the feast of unleavened bread drew near, which is called the Passover. And the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to put him to death, for they feared the people. Then Satan entered into Judas called Iscariot, who was of the number of the twelve. He went away and conferred with the chief priests and officers how he might betray him to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. So he consented and sought an opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of a crowd. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat it. They said to him, Where will you have us prepare it? He said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters, and tell the master of the house. The teacher says to you, Where is the guest room, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished, Prepare it there. And they went and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, he reclined at table, and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. 
and he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which of them it could be who was going to do this. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. And he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as one who serves. For who is the greater, one who reclines at table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at table? But I am among you as the one who serves. You are those who have stayed with me in my trials, and I assign to you, as my Father assigned to me, a kingdom, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. And he said to them, When I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack or sandals, did you lack anything? They said, Nothing. He said to them, But now let the one who has a money bag take it, and likewise a knapsack, and let the one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one. For I tell you that this scripture must be fulfilled in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors. For what is written about me has its fulfilment. And they said, Look, Lord, here are two swords. And he said to them, It is enough. Quite a lot happening in this text. What's some immediate things that jump out at you guys? What do you notice? What captures your your attention? I think uh, the time is drawing near. We're getting to Passover and you can see the story heating up. A couple of things. Again, Judas is um, says Satan entered him and he's making plans, but noticing again that how in control Jesus is, he's saying, um, you know, go and fetch, go and prepare for me in the upper room. Someone will meet you there with the water. Just go into his house. Say, I need this house. Again, Jesus um, just knowing uh, what God is doing, knowing the plan, knowing that he's uh, going to the cross. I think it's uh, amazing while kind of evil's planning something, Jesus is still in full control, you know, in the, in the midst of evil. The other big part of this text, I think, would be the uh, institution of the communion and what that means and having a look at maybe chatting about that and the disorganization of the disciples who <laughs> are vacillating between... <laughs> Uh, not knowing what's going on um, and wanting to be in charge of it all. <laughs> so I think that's also quite noticeable in this text. Yeah. How about you, Mark? 
why don't you talk about the institution of the Lord's Supper? Some of the things I I want to comment mm. on are a little bit later, but um, maybe we go forwards to backwards. Yeah. Well, Jesus, Luke repeats a few times in this passage, the Passover, the Passover, the Passover. So he wants us to clearly know, and so do all the other gospel authors tell us what, what this is. And the Passover is, has two things about it. One, it's the original uh, Passover when uh, the angel of death passed over the Israelites in Egypt. And in the morning they were released and freed to uh, leave Egypt, leave their slavery and the Passover lamb was sacrificed. So obviously there's a lot of symbolism going on here, but also the um, Jewish people would celebrate this feast every year. And so this is a time of gathering and they would reenact. They would dress in clothes that are ready to travel. They would uh, eat the Passover unleavened bread together and they would reenact like a reminder, remembrance. And Jesus is saying, this meal is now going to be fulfilled. I won't eat it again. This is fulfilled in, in the kingdom. And so I think that's um, this is a significant moment where Jesus is giving them the bread and the wine as uh, representing what he's about to do. Uh, it's re- reflected in the story of Israel. But I think it's a, a, such a profound picture that we, in a sense, like Israel, every time we do it, we are remembering and reenacting. I think Numbers 10, 10, Israel's told to, whenever they bring in sacrifice, that to remember and Re, in a sense, reenact what God's doing. So it's a form, I think, of reminding us of worship, uh, which we daily need. You know, I need to draw close to God, and the more the more I walk with Him, the more I realize I need to do that every day. And I think this is one way in which Jesus is giving us a profound uh, picture of how to do that, how to draw close to God every day by reminding us ourselves of of Jesus's work on the cross mm. and what He's done. Yeah, how about you, Mark? And and communion. Yeah, I think yeah, I, I like what you're saying about um, how kind of graphic it is and, mm. and active it is. And we do it in our church. We do it most Sundays as a response mm. to the sermon. Um, Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. And I, But I do think it's, it's something we can do even more often in that sense of uh, if you think of the Egypt, the Israelites and the Egyptians, there was this freedom from slavery and yeah. uh, we've we've all been enslaved to sin. We're born to death. Um, the consequence of our sin is death. And then through Christ, we get life. And so through his crucifixion, through his body and his blood, we're born into a new covenant. We, you know, and so this kind of this this reminder to that we are not under sin. We are not yeah. slaves to yeah. sin. We are not under condemnation. Um, again and again and again to bring ourselves, as you've said already, yeah. back to Christ, to remember we're free people, to serve the Lord, to glorify him in our lives, to um, defeat sin where we struggle. And we and, and that's not to say that we can't struggle. I hope no one who listens to this yeah. feels like they can't, can't share a struggle they're having. I hope that releases them to share struggle, to yeah. say that we're not under that sin, but um, we need to help each other in Christ. Yeah. In fact, when we, this is an invitation to those who struggle, right? Um, whenever I'm to remind myself of of what God's done for me. Yeah, yeah very good. Mm. The passage talks a lot of, um, into this idea of preparation as well. Do you guys have any any thoughts on what it's trying to illuminate? Yeah, the, the who in the greatest who is the greatest section there's, that really stands out to me because Jesus's disciples their hearts are so far from his heart their understanding so far from his understanding yeah and um you know it's not that they just misunderstand if you the first verse twenty four says a dispute also arose among them <laughs> uh, 
So, <laughs> I mean, I, I, this is so realistic. Like in our church, I, I'm sure that we we sometimes argue about things or we sometimes mm. don't agree or we sometimes stand on each other's toes and, and the disciples, the dispute arose among them as to which of them is regarded the greatest. Um, and I don't think the dispute was, no, you're greater. No, you're greater. I think the dispute was probably, you know, I think I should be at his right hand. And no, I yeah. think I should be at his right hand. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, and they asked Jesus to kind of, uh, or, or Jesus kind of answers it for them. And it's interesting, he turns it upside down in, in terms of how to understand the kingdom. And he says, there's, this is the way that kingdoms usually are. And it's the same as our Western society is, that there's those in, in profiled positions of authority. And that's how, how most people think about it, but not so in my kingdom. The greatest in my kingdom are those who are kind to all, those who are tender to all, those who are gentle with all, those who will serve all. Those are the great ones in my kingdom. And, and, to the disciples' credit, they grew to that. You know, yeah. John, the son of thunder, became the apostle of uh, the, the apostle of love. I think he's he's called somewhere. I don't know if that's church history or, but he becomes a tender grandfather who writes to us in his eighties with tender-hearted love and affection, my beloved children. Um, mm. or Peter, you know, Peter, this crazy lunatic, who. <laughs> um, you know, he be, he becomes really um, ser- quite honest if you read his letters um, about his mm. brokenness and that he doesn't even get it all and understand it all, and um, he's become a very humble man. I think also it's showing that the disciples don't really even know themselves, right? They mm. kind of making huge requests, but at the same time, when Jesus says, "One of you at the table will betray me," they're all like, "Oh, is it me? Is it me?" <laughs> Judas will, and they all do abandon Jesus. So they've got this kind of strange mix of like, oh, I don't really know where I'm at. I'm, I might just, you know, is it me who's going to abandon Jesus or betray him? To, yeah, I'll, I'll be too, I see. Like, put, yeah, put me there. And so the, I think there's a strange mix, and sometimes I think my own heart can experience that where you have this, oh, man, I just not, I don't think I can pull anything off <laughs> to, Oh, that's okay. I'll 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 do everything. Just put it. You know, I'll take charge of all that. So I think there's a strange mix. And then I think following on that story, the story of Peter, where Jesus tells him, it's a super encouraging story in some ways because he's saying Peter, uh, Peter's like Jesus, I will die with you. It's I, I got this. He's doing you know in a sense almost similar to what they've just said. Put me in charge. I'm I've got this. Mm. And Jesus like Peter, I you you're not going to be able to do that. And um. He talks to him quite stern. He's like Simon Peter. When you use someone's full name, that's when you mean business, right? <laughs> so, and his name was normally Peter, which is Rock, Rocky. Hey, Rocky, Rocky Balboa, kind of. He wasn't. He wasn't chumming. Where he was like Peter, this is serious. You're not. You you're gonna have a, a failure. Mm. And at the same time, he says this beautiful thing that when you turn back, strengthen your brothers. Mm-hmm. So he's giving Peter like Peter. You're not as strong as you think you are. But I've also got to. I'm also going to. When you turn back, you you who've been through a failure are more well positioned to help those mm. who are struggling. Turn back and feed my sheep. And I think it's a beautiful mm. picture there of the kind of confusion of the disciples, but also the rescue of Jesus and the ability of Jesus to um, mm-hmm. rescue and redeem even their their kind of um, vacillating thoughts about themselves and yeah. who they think they are. I wonder for those who are listening, if they've experienced something of those seasons where, I mean, we have a whole Christian season, life, 
in P- in these few verses where yeah. you know, Satan's Satan demanded to have you. There's there are sufferings that Christians go through where they, they suffer through doubts. Yeah, um, they don't know where they're at. They don't know where they're at with God. They don't know where they're at with their faith. I wonder if someone's listening to this. If you know, if you haven't ever got there before, that's great. But if someone, if you do get there, or if someone is going through that and you're just struggling with your faith, where am I with God? Um, the, the encouragement isn't what you can do. The encouragement is what Christ does for you. He says, I intercede for you. That's what's going to bring you back is I'm interceding yeah. for you. I'm holding on to you. Um, those who've been through those seasons of suffering and doubts will know coming back on the other side of that, you you may have bruises and scars, but somehow you, you can say that you're better for them, that your understanding of Christ or your love for Christ or your knowledge of Christ or appreciation for Christ and often your understanding of the gospel is yeah. much more clear, and um, and I love that yeah. it's out of that that Jesus says, "Now strengthen your brothers." So after you've realized you can do nothing <laughs> alone, and you've realized that Christ holds you, then you're ready to go and strengthen others. Why? I think because, and I wonder what other people. Mm. What one of the reasons I I think is that because we're not going to put on others that they can do it, because we've already learned we can't. We're not going to condemn others when they're struggling because we've already struggled ourselves. Mm. Well, rather, we're going to go to each other and we're going to give Jesus to each other. Hey, I know you're struggling and I'm sorry, but Christ intercedes us. He holds us. He's going to, he's going to resolve this. Let's pray to him. Let's go to him. Let's find him together. Um, and so we, we become vessels of grace to each other as opposed to vessels of condemnation and self-effort. And I think there's a constant need for that reliance upon Jesus, you know, that constant turning away. Like Peter has that moment later on where he breaks down and weeps when he beholds Jesus after he's kind of dropped the ball after saying he wouldn't. <laughs> and he just breaks down and, and weeps. And in a sense, it's like he's weeping over himself. Like I know I haven't, like Jesus wept over Jerusalem, but he weeps over his own sin. Jesus didn't have any sin to weep over because he was sinless. But we, in a sense, have a have a moment where we go, oh, it's okay to to realize I I can't hold it all together and break down and weep. And that's a, a repentance moment where Judas didn't have that right. He kind of wanted the money and he took it and he never – it kind of doesn't turn back, whereas Peter has this moment of like realization and turning back to Jesus and maybe just linking it back to the communion story, like how bread and wine, I was reading one of the commentaries talking about bread and wine goes off if you leave it. You know, I don't, you don't eat bread, you know, for too many days. Like the next day is normally dry wine the same. And how we just constantly need to turn back to Jesus, you know, that kind of constant need that to remember who what God has done because I am always need to be drawn back to him day after day. Well, I mean, that's certainly what I find and I'm, I find it encouraging that that's my position, that I constantly need to return to God. And perhaps listeners, you may be discouraged by that idea, but I'd love to encourage you that, wow, the communion story and our need for God is, is a daily daily thing. It's new every morning. It's fresh. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a one-off. You know? I think it's, that's profound. Maybe just picking up on the last section is, is, you know, is that a reasonable expectation? And yet that Jesus... I think gives the answer that yes, it is. In other words, and he describes how you know once you've gone out and I told you to take nothing, yeah, and it was like bang, 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 like whoa, we did all this stuff. How amazing yeah. was that? And it's not going to be like that anymore. 
Um, now I'm telling you to go prepared, to work hard. Mm. Um, you're gonna you're gonna work. You're gonna have to work hard at this, and um, it's not going to be easy. Yeah. Uh, and so he's he's kind of changing the script for yeah. them. And um, so isn't it re- is it reasonable to struggle through faith? Is that is that okay? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Jesus has just said so. Yeah, very good. As we come to a close, um, what's what's some thoughts you mm. want to leave us mm. with uh, going into this week? Yeah, great, Caleb. I think um, applying the communion uh, would be a powerful thing to do. Um, I think something like this is best uh, tasted, not just discussed, if that makes sense. Um, Jesus gave us this bread and wine to remind us of what he's done for us. Um, I find we are so often vacillating like the disciples in this scripture between, yeah, I've got everything, I'll, I'll take care of everything, to is it me? Am I going to fail? Am I, am I dropping off? And uh, knowing what Jesus done is one thing, but being able to taste and see that Jesus is good, that um, he has redeemed us, it rescues us from both of those dilemmas, I, I think. So I would, I'd love people to um, try not just think about it, but to taste it, say, how do I come to God? How do I rescue? Um, how do I uh, um, behold that rescue again and just go, mm, actually, let me take my eyes off me and put them to Jesus. The key, one of the key texts in the uh, Passover the story is, ex- is Exodus 6, where God says, I will rescue you. I will deliver you. I will make you my own people. And I think that's such a beautiful thing about communion. That's what communion is. It's God, you have rescued me. You have made me yours. Um, you have delivered me. And I think that's a powerful and beautiful thing if we can not just know it, but taste it. Yeah, very good. Maybe it's a, a good like application is to grab a friend this week and, and spend time just reflecting on on this portion of scripture um, with a with a friend and, and taking communion together, reflecting upon these words of Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. To learn more, head over to perthchurch.com.au where you can find sermon resources that dive deeper into these conversations. If you found this conversation helpful, we would love you to leave a review and share it with your family and friends.